0: Hi everyone, welcome. Episode 19 of the Felix Espresso Ride and Podcast. Uh, We are at the Capa once again, 215 in Russell, uh, one of my favorites down the street from my house. And also our guest house, newly moved over to this side of town, Tony Wago. How's it going, man?
1: How's it going? Yeah, uh,
0: probably, yeah, I mean, we've had a lot of people on this show. You're probably one of my closer friends, so this should be interesting. what, you know, I know you very well, but why did not you start by uh, giving a little introduction? Um, just some brief, brief stuff, history, how you got to Vegas in, in, in a nutshell.
1: Well, I mean, so first off, you know, obviously, thanks for having me, guys. I, um, I'm i a huge fan of Fuelixer. And watching this thing grow and, and seeing what you guys do for our local cycling community is just awesome. And I just I can't wait to see how it unfolds. Thanks. Man. So appreciate it. Mm-hmm. I feel honored to to actually join you guys. Um, As far as a little history on me, I grew up in Orlando, Florida, and uh, made my way out west, mid to late 90s. Uh, Lived in Los Angeles, Orange County, L.A. County, all by the beach, and uh, actually moved to Las Vegas about uh, 15 years ago in 2001. Nice. And the uh, the catalyst for getting me here was actually 9-11. I was in the financial services industry and, you know, it was a new world. We didn't know what was going to happen uh-huh. and, you know, it just made sense to get over here and where things were cheaper, you right. know what I mean, and, and, and preserve a little capital and, and actually it worked out very well because we were able to grow a pretty decent business here. Lots of employees and. Nice. So it was good. So you've been been all over
0: the place well, all over the states at least, um, Florida, California, Vegas. Um, so let, let's, let's talk about first um your time in orlando um your time in florida uh something i'm interested about talking about is like um you know you, you've got some success with uh, cycling now and uh, you look on track to have more success uh, coming up soon um kind of interested to learn about um sports throughout your life like you know what were you doing when you were young and then um i know we want to get into like the skydiving thing as well later but um let, let's let's try and think about how you got to that skydiving
1: point so i mean you know just like any kid especially growing up in florida uh, the weather is just perfect there so i really gravitated towards bmx early okay I did. Oh, so you were on the pod. i didn't know that i didn't yeah. know you bmx it's yeah okay. i was racing like doing the saturday night races uh-huh. uh, in pine hills and moss park in orlando yeah um i would say when i was probably you know, starting as early as 10 years old, 11 years old, you know, had a mini goose and the whole thing, and oh, um, no. um, did you, so did you race on it or were you doing like yeah. tricks and stuff? No, I raced, raced, it because of the freestyle world, you know, that whole movement hadn't really started yet. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So cause that like kind of started with skateboarding first and then it trickled down into the right. BMX. Right. And then you had Eddie Fiola and all those guys in California on the Dyna bikes and just, yeah. you know, doing all the okay. really cool, cool freestyle, but. I was, uh, you know, I was just racing and riding so my bike. A, were you born in Orlando? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was born and raised there. Okay. Um, and you know that I kind of got out of that as I got older and able to drive a car. I mean, it all became about yeah. a car at that point. I actually sold the two bikes that I had because uh, they were really nice. I got you know decent money for them. I sold them for a decent chunk of my first car. Now,
0: when you, when you did the BMX racing, were you like? super competitive or is it always like, I'm, yeah i'm yeah. always
1: competitive right. yeah super so you're you you're doing it to like win oh like, yeah. you, like you like the yeah. racing yeah. i probably have you know i had a couple wins uh nothing any you know substantial uh, nothing like an nba nationals right. or anything like that but just the local saturday night stuff you know um i, I couldn't even tell you where that little trophy is right now <laughs> <laughs> but had a lot of fun, you know, just, it was all about the bike. That was my transportation. That's awesome. uh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So it started with the bike then. That's crazy. And then you, so you got the car, you got
0: the car and then you kind of like, you know, transitioned out of BMX. um, what
1: did like chasing girls and stuff, I guess? (laughs) Always, always chasing chicks, starting to work, you know, getting a taste for money and and freedom. And, uh, you know, just kind of living my life and, um, as I got, you know, 18, 19 years old, got out of the house, had a big, me and four other friends rented this really big, like ranch style house in Orlando. So it was like a frat house. I mean, it was insane. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so yeah, like 18 years old, 19 years old was there. And you know, there's always just this constant competition in the house okay. with, you name it, a lot of drinking games, right? Yeah, yeah. But uh, Point Break came out, the movie Point Break, and I think that was 1991, and so that turned into, well, if you do it, I'll do it. We was talking about skydiving, right? And so, you know, we learned that Patrick Swayze did all of his own stunts, and we all kind of said collectively, if he can do it, we can do it. <laughs> <laughs> so we, uh, we went and uh, found, you know, there's a drop zone pretty much. Within an hour of wherever you are in Florida, Florida is pretty much the mecca for skydiving because of the weather, the weather's perfect there, you know, year round. It's crazy how much like movie influences
0: like um, these cultures, right? Well, it, they already exist,
1: but then the movie comes out, and then it's like, right, bam. <laughs> yeah, and skydiving is like a you know, it's, it's very much an unknown sport back then. It was cultish, if you will, and yeah, you know, it was. Nobody, it wasn't uh, like advertised like it is now, and it wasn't on mainstream TV for sure. So, when you saw it on the big screen, yeah. there was an appeal, there was an intrigue, and the fact that you could actually do it in your backyard made it accessible. And of course, you got to go try it, right? So the, so, the guys at this like drop zone were like,
0: saw you and your friend, that. Like, oh, these guys just saw yeah. Point Break. <laughs> <laughs> <It's> pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. But then they it, it literally turned into way more for you, I'm sure, like most people, they saw the movie, they went and did one one skydive, but for you, um, I, you said, I think it took up like 10, 15 years of
1: your life. Yeah, yeah, I, you know, I went up and did a tandem, which we all did tandems, and I just, I landed, and I said, this is me, man, this is what I want to do, you know, and it was, I was at the point of, do I go to college, you know, do I go start a four-year degree, you know, that whole thing, and, you uh, and I said, no, I, you know, this is kind of what I want to do. Yeah. I didn't know I wanted to do it professionally, um, but I knew I wanted to pursue it and at least get through the, the student part of it, get a, you know, be a fun, they're called fun jumpers when you have your own gear. Yeah. And that's the biggest hurdle for anybody getting into skydiving is the gear, just mm-hmm. like cycling, right. you know? You want the best of the best, you're jumping out of well, planes. Apart from like getting the guts to jump out of the plane. Yeah, as well. <laughs> <True>. yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> So, you know, you you save and you borrow and you get, you know, a good rig and you're now able to show up to a drop zone and buy a jump ticket multiple and jump multiple times a day. You so know? that first jump, did you like, uh, did you like go straight back up or something? Yeah. But, yeah. yeah, I mean, I turned around and I think I did a tandem the same day. Really? So, wow. I knocked another one out immediately. And like I said, I said this is for me. And. A couple of my roommates pursued it and kind of dropped off. Uh Um, Another one of my roommates um, actually got back into it later, you know, way down the road, Uh and he actually pursued, you know, I wouldn't say a career, but he was definitely working on the drop zone. You know, that was his job.
0: So you so you got your
1: training and stuff,
0: and then you know you sent me some cool pictures last night. We've spoken about it. So you sent me a picture of you like uh, you you were a video guy for like the national championships, and um, you know we were just talking. You were kind of doing the GoPro thing before GoPros were even out. Oh yeah. So like you know, explain a little bit about that. So so you basically became a guy that jumped out
1: of planes with people and you filmed them and did you just like sell videos to them basically? Yeah. So. so- When I, so I was on Drop Zone and you're just basically jumping, right? You're just getting as many jumps as you can, progressing through the licenses. You start with your A license, B license, C license, and then the D license is considered, you're considered an expert, and I want to say it's for 200 jumps. Um, But I met somebody that was actually making money doing video and skydiving. And uh, very, you know, just turned out to be one of my best friends in the world, Bob Neely. Um, and he kind of took me under his wing, you know, I, he said, you know, dude, why don't you come try to do a, a video jump and you know, GoPros, like you said, they weren't around these, these were high eight cameras. They were huge. Yeah. And the rig that you wore on your head was a big video camera and a still camera. And the way that you would take stills is with a little toggle switch in your mouth. So you use your tongue to actually take still pictures. Okay. So you're kind of like doing quite a few things, but long story short, <laughs> insane, long story short, I nailed that first video jump, and you know, which obviously inspired me to, mm-hmm. to pursue it even further. And uh, that was jump number like 22. So you 22 watched the video often, like everything was in in. in I kept short, everything like, yeah, like, in frame because you can't right. see the viewfinder, right? Yeah, yeah, right? These things are on your head yeah. and you have to, you're basically a flying tripod. Yeah, so fast forwarding, and you know, how do you make money doing that? Basically, anybody that shows up to a drop zone for their first jump, it's going to get a video. I mean, you would think, right? They yeah. don't know if they're going to ever do it yeah. again. So for another whatever seventy bucks, it's like of going course. on a
0: Splash Mountain at Disneyland. You want to get right.
1: a <laughs> Video or it didn't happen, right? Yeah. So So. Um, that became my shtick. So I do would that uh, in Chris, that first crit he yeah. yeah. <laughs> survived. Exactly. But we'll get onto that later. <laughs> uh, so I, I, I got, you know, I kinda started doing tandems at the drop zone. I'd show up every weekend and then I made the leap. I said, you know, this is definitely what I want to do. I sold all my all my stuff, moved out of that uh, that house with those guys and actually lived in a van. That's Lived awesome. in a van for a couple years. I love it. And uh traveled up and down the uh, East Coast, uh-huh. and mid, up into the Midwest. The, the circuit was Florida in the winter, and then you'd go up into the Midwest and the Northeast in the summer, because they couldn't jump in the winter. Mm-hmm. Right. So there was just tons of tandems up there. You know, skydive Chicago. It wouldn't be uncommon for them to do 250, 300 tandems a week. Yeah. Yeah. So for a guy like me, you know, I could go and do 10 tandems a day. Yeah. And if you're living in a yeah. van, that's really good money. Yeah. I mean, I was rich at that point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so
0: so it sounds like you had a pretty cushy life, man. I mean, it sounds like a dream. So so what happened to like, you know, from there to moving to California, I guess.
1: Yeah. Like, so what happened? So I uh, I did that the uh, the circuit for a couple seasons and was basically back in Florida, a weekend warrior. Uh, on the drop zone because I never left it. I mean, even to the point where I got in, uh, got to California, I was still on a drop zone every weekend. Um, I ran into an old high school friend and uh, he, you know, ha- I had super long hair. You guys might have seen the, yeah. the Facebook photos. We'll face on. <laughs> that'll be the cover <laughs> yeah. of the podcast. Yeah. So I had this long hair and, you know, just, just embodying the whole, you know, point break life, I guess, as Pablo says it. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, he was working in a financial services firm, you know, Wall Street basically. And he's like, "Dude, I'm making so much money. You got this. You can do this. Just you have the personality to, to sell over the phone. Just come come check this out." Say so stockbroker, essentially. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we were working for the actual public company. So, uh, anyway, long story short, cut my hair and uh, yeah, cut, made, the on to, a seat. <laughs> made the leap to made the leap to to Wall Street and. Um, Found out quickly that Florida, in that world, tended to be like a sunny place for shady people, oh, okay. and uh, and not so much the people that I was working with, but definitely the the when you called out to people when you're making those calls, the outbound calls to people, there was a stigma with Florida, and uh, you know I don't know what that was about, but regardless, we uh, we made the decision, me and another friend to say hey you know we can do this we can build something substantial but we can't do it from Florida okay we got to do it from the west coast so we moved out to LA okay and uh, had a really really nice firm there uh, quite a few guys that uh, were working for us and you know found ourselves in Vegas a lot because was easy right LA there's a lot of conventions here I hope. Yeah. And then it just made sense as we were making money in California and getting the state tax carved into us, yeah. we wanted to forego that, so we started doing a lot more in Las Vegas. We opened an office over here, and you know like I said earlier, the so it cost of damn business, cost of living out here yeah. so the food just I mean, made more sense just made more sense so and then of course when when nine eleven happened, it was a pretty easy decision just to actually yeah. move out here and and awesome. do that thing so you would so you've been here since. 2000 and 2001 2002. 2001
0: so what what were you doing any other sports like so so you had this skydiving thing right and you did BMXing so you've always been had that like um, you know that urge to seek out like adventure and challenges and stuff was the business and the Stop like fulfilling enough? for a while or was there other things?
1: You... Yeah, you know, I mean, I'd always been into fitness from the standpoint of, of working out at the gym and, and that's, I became a gym rat. Okay. You know, I um, honestly got really into to lifting and doing the whole, you know, protocol of, you know, five meals a day and, yeah. and yeah. one gram of protein per, you know, pound of lean mass yeah, and, yeah. you know, the whole thing just bought into it all. And uh, I was a gym rat I, and I really, you know, I got big. Yeah. Like, I didn't get ripped or anything like that, but I was, I, I would say it, my heaviest, I was about 230 pounds wow. and uh, <laughs> you know, pretty much a doughboy. but yeah. <clears throat> I was moving some weight and I was pretty happy with that. Yeah. And uh, I was just doing that for, I guess, 10 years, right? Yeah. You know, quite a while. And just came a point where I got tired of it. I got tired of carrying that weight. I wanted to lean out, and uh, you know, I'd always been into cycling in, in some fashion. Uh-huh. Um, Did you have a bike throughout this period? Like, I didn't. Yeah. You know I had a mountain bike, <clears throat> and I had a cruiser, but nothing like we're doing now, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So I went on road bike review. They're classifieds, and I bought a, a giant. Uh, it was an aluminum frame. Were you, were you watching like, the tour
0: de France and the TV. No, the you, thing, you like.
1: know what? Honestly, what inspired me, because I lived in the lakes at that point, Uh huh. I would see these guys doing T- Tuesday Night Worlds. T- and I had no idea what they were doing. <laughs> I'm, you know, I wasn't one of those angry residents who was like, get off the road. I was yeah. like, what are they doing? You know? <laughs> Can I go hang with that? What is this? This looks like, you know, this looks like a race. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I never attempted to because those guys looked like they were, they looked pro. I mean, yeah. come on. They were going after it so um, that's kind of what inspired me to say hey you know obviously there's a cycling community here and there's roads to ride and so I got this bike and I started cycling more for weight loss obviously trying to lean out but I applied my whole fitness you know regimen a structured training type of uh, scenario to the bike and uh, stayed out of the gym a little more but you know, my biggest thing, if I was going to lean out was fasting, intermittent fasting. Mm-hmm. And I would do my rides fasting, you know, and I worked in the financial services industry, which for us ends at one o'clock every day because yeah. the market closes at one. So during the winter, fall and winter, I can ride after the market right? and I can do whatever I needed to do. And I would literally fast up to that ride. Okay, So, so you so I eat was dinner. In, yeah, I was in or like just a, sleep. Yeah, I was yeah. in like the sixteen hour like fasting 16, window. Eight, like, sixteen eight, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And I would you know, again, my sole purpose was to lose weight. Yeah. I had no clue about this world yeah. of, of amateur racing. It was it wasn't even a thought at that point. Wait,
0: wait. Um, yeah, so the 16-8s, that's like a popular one. And then there's like the twenty four and then there's even like um, one day on, one day off. Like you do a yeah. full day, but I think I think you can get most of the effect. Like at that twelve-hour mark, when you hit that, that's when the, your your substrate really starts to switch, and you start to really burn that fat. I think. Yeah. So yeah, you were doing it right. Yeah. But did I you, mean, you do reading on that, or did you just kind of yeah, fall into no.
1: like a habit? i've always been what i would call an educated consumer right so i was always into supplements i was always reading about you know what was working what wasn't working and intermittent fasting just started to kind of hit because you're you're a personal trainer as well so yeah yeah yeah, you've uh, been
0: reading about like training plans and like supplements always yeah
1: yeah so um and i would say that was i got real serious about riding uh bikes about 2013
0: yeah, that's when I got serious, yeah, 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 yeah. and then that's when... So, so you were doing it for weight loss, and then what, did you like buy a bike at McGee's, and then someone oh, was talking too, about right. racing?
1: No, I uh, so I still had this bike, and um, I just upgraded the, the group set to, to Dura-Ace group set, and I, you know, I was just hammering the bike. I didn't have, uh, like, a power meter or anything, yeah. I was really using heart rate, but... Again, just trying to lose weight, so I only knew like zone three. I was yeah. just that guy, right? Yeah, yeah, I was just yeah. going and just hammer the bike, um, and three feet for Pete. Uh, when that, when that uh, happened, the very first three feet for Pete, I think it was two thousand thirteen, right? I think so because this is their fourth annual coming up. That was my first group ride ever, okay, and and that's when the the, the flip, the switch flipped. That's when I was like, <laughs> just like. Just like when I was on the drop zone and said, this is me, Yeah. when I was in this little peloton of yeah. guys, 30 guys, and we're just hammering yeah. from Gene back, Yeah. I said, man, I want to do this. Yeah. You know, what's, the, uh, you know, I'm seeing the kids. And, and I'm it
0: was like,
1: are like people like blowing by you and you're like, nah, this yeah. isn't, this no, isn't. Exactly. <laughs> I was like, no, that's not going to happen. So, um, I was doing, you know, hero pulls pool, and everything like that, yeah. and, you know, and just, it was fun. And Yeah. Uh, so at three feet for pete I, I got hooked up with uh, brett ball uh, mandalay bay mcgee's and uh, he invited me to come out and do the mcgee's ride tuesday mcgee's ride yeah and so i showed up you know hairy legs and still a little pudgy yeah. i had lost probably 50 pounds by this time uh-huh. so i was definitely sub 200 pounds um and you know getting leaner and and felt like i was getting faster but so we start the ride and we, we get near Villa Ridge and uh, he's like, well, have, have you ever done Villa Ridge? I'm like, no, I've never, you know, never done Villa Ridge. Yeah. I lived on the, I lived in Southern Highlands at this point. So I had no clue what Villa Ridge was, yeah. but I was the last guy up Villa Ridge on that ride. Yeah. And, you know, I got to the top and I was like, wow, this is tucked away in a neighborhood I would have never thought. But at that time, I vowed never to be the last guy up Villa Ridge yeah. on that Tuesday ride, and uh, did the Tuesday ride after that, and, and the next day, you know, the next week, I was third from last guy. You know how it gets. You know, yeah, you get yeah. stronger when you ride with people stronger than yeah. you. So. I mean, that, that, that
0: adrenaline rush and that, that first few group plays you do as well, it, it is, like, really addicting. It's, oh, yeah. just, it's crazy. I think that's, like, what people don't understand is, like, oh, why do you guys go out, like, so early in the morning and stuff? But it literally is, like, it, it, I, I guess it was similar to, like, that jumping out of the plane, right? It's just, like, you want to go oh, and you get yeah. that rush again.
1: Well, there's, there's many parallels with skydiving and... Uh, and riding your bike and more, more, uh, in racing, honestly, because the one thing that I really liked about skydiving and and the parallel, I guess the biggest one to racing bikes is how it forces you to be engaged in the present moment. I mean, there's nowhere else you can be Mm -hmm. if you're in free fall, right? Mm -hmm. You, you obviously have an agenda, right? We, 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 we call, uh, our planning you know our ride plan our jump plan is like a dirt dive so if we're going to jump with 8 10 12 other people or whatever it may be we do a dirt dive we go through the actual sequentials down on the ground how it's how the formation is going to build what grip you're going to take what grip you're going to take i'm the camera guy so i'm watching all of this but my job is to keep it in frame the whole time so you know in that sense it's a ride plan, right? And then you go up and you execute and you're in that moment, you're fully engaged. And it's just like when you're racing. Yeah. So you that's, can't that's, be anywhere else. That's probably else. why
0: racing, you yeah. like, like racing so much, because yeah. you've got that like planning and there's that more of like the, the excitement. Uh, yeah, you get it on the group, right? But racing even more so, everything's amplified, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And then, do you think that's why like you've like, taken a, a
1: liking to Criterium Racing? Yeah, I mean, obviously. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I really like to do everything. I love yeah. the TT bike. Another thing where, obviously, you know, it's it's you against the clock, fully engaged. Um, but yeah, I gravitated towards crits. I, yeah. and I don't know if it was a lack of uh, fear of, you know, hey, there's a slot, take it, you know, or if it was just a matter of, again, another parallel. Thinking quick. There's no room for hesitation. Yeah, no, You know, um, especially in, in, in racing crits, if you're looking for a result, you know, obviously you have to do it in a way yeah. that's not going to jeopardize the race. But um, there's no hesitation. You I guess be as well. Like, I mean, did was is falling off the bike really that like
0: intimidating to you? I mean, no. after because I mean. I don't know, have you had some pretty bad like injuries, skydiving and stuff? Like, no,
1: actually, I mean, a couple broken bones, but yeah. um, it wasn't like anything gnarly. It yeah. was because, like, I broke my wrist because I landed in an area where it just rained and yeah. I, I just got caught up in the mud. Yeah, cause I, to I mean, it's
0: gotta be such a big advantage not having that intimidation or fear, so you can just, your body can focus on powering the legs, powering the bike, rather than having to deal with this fear or these other thoughts you're having in your head. We, this guy sent me an article about, uh, what's his name? Uh, the Holland, the, the mountain climber, the free free climber. Yeah. How his brain doesn't sense fear. So he can just like totally, just concentrate <laughs> on climbing. He, he does, his brain literally doesn't fire, some part of his brain doesn't fire, so he doesn't sense fear. Wow. So he can just concentrate on climbing. So similarly, right? Like, they had a psychiatrist or a psychologist on there. They were like, if you can just put yourselves in situations that get you kind of used to fear so you can approach it in a different way later on, you're gonna like train your mind and your body to just deal with it better. So if you've had this skydiving background, you've got kind of that like different mindset to other people going into a criterion because you're already kind of like, you've got a bit different perception, right?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I, I guess so. Yeah, that would, you know, yeah. obviously, it, There's always a level of fear in in anything that we're doing when it involves high speed, lots of people, you know, uh, where there's very little room for error. And skydiving, that fear is is just tempered by focus. I mean, it keeps you focused, the fear does. And there's always that trepidation, you know, because just because you're in free fall and, you know, I'm a camera guy, so I'm not like in a formation. I still run the risk of someone running into me. Yeah, you know, yeah. and and that's happened before. But um, and the biggest thing for me with with racing is just you know that competitive edge. Yeah, you know, yeah. and I, I I think that when it comes to crits, um, you know, just just it's full throttle yeah. the entire time, and I think that's the, the probably the biggest appeal to me and. And then the beauty of the sprint. Yeah. Because I really truly think that's just a beautiful so, part of racing.
0: It sounds like
1: <laughs> Yeah, yeah.
0: It sounds as well like like skydiving, you had kinda of that, that thrill and the adrenaline. Um, not to take anything away, but you were like kind of the video guy, so you were kind of like filming kind of the stars. I don't know if this is correct, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but like you were filming kinda of like the people doing the stuff. And then cycling gives you the thrill but you're also kind of the star of the show because you're like sprinting right? Is it So is it kind of like the perfect like match?
1: No, I, you know I never really looked at it like that at all. But, I well, didn't. Now that I say that what yeah. do you think? No not no. really the star. <laughs> it's just different? I, it, it just you know it, it's more about kind of having a a plan, like I say, and being able to execute it, and then saying, wow, I did that. Yeah, yeah, okay. Let me go do that again. Sure, sure, sure. And so when I when I first started with Mandalay Bay and McGee's, and obviously you were there with me, yeah. uh, my first road race was UCLA Road Race. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think okay. yours was Boulevard that same year. Yeah, Boulevard, yeah. yeah. And I just remember my very first road race, UCLA, What a, I mean, I don't <laughs> know what we were thinking. <laughs> But I remember I my, my I famous last words were, Kaz, I'm going to I'm gonna hold your wheel as long as I can. Oh, yeah, we I were can. in the same race. Yeah. That's right, yeah. I'm going to hold your that. wheel as long as I can. And you were obviously a climber. Yeah, that um, race suited me well. I think I came... Didn't you podium I came, like,
0: No, I think I came
1: like sixth or something. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so I got dropped, you know, pretty quickly in that race. But it's a fun race. Brutal race. race, man. Yeah. race. And, and then, so that season, like um the whole cat five year was, was a kid, yeah.
0: yeah it was a lot know, of fun yeah.
1: learned a lot but really the the biggest thing like racing and like any anybody getting into this uh, can probably attest to this your first year racing you're just like you know yeah. i'm here you know you're not thinking beyond the fact that you're you're doing it right you're not really you don't have a race plan in your head and you just know that when it comes down to it you know obviously unless you're on a team that you're you know, our guys were teaching you, and kind of mentoring yeah, yeah, you. Yeah. If you're just kind of like we were, we're just yeah, we were kind of just we're just yeah, going yeah. for it, right? <laughs> we didn't really have a plan. Yeah. Um And uh, so that first year, I was just glad to be there. And you know, I got a couple results here and there, but nothing, no podiums. I think it was uh, really the, the next year you really started to like get a lot of
0: results, right? Like, yeah, like you did the, the the Utah series. You were getting you just smoking people. And then that transitioned, I think, into like bigger races like, and you started to get some results in like California and stuff, right?
1: Yeah, so the biggest like light bulb for me in racing uh, bikes at this level, when I transitioned to a, a four, like kind of like looking back on my year as a five again, you know, oh, I'm here, this is awesome. And yeah, uh, just jazzed to be there. Um, when I actually relaxed, like that's my, that would be my biggest advice to anybody that's racing that, you know, is looking for a result. Relax, yeah. You gotta relax, you I gotta think, look yeah. around. That's the biggest
0: thing I learned from you is like how to just like chill. Cause yeah. I was always one of those people who's stressed out all the time about yeah. racing.
1: Yeah, I mean, this, yeah. it's happening around you and, and I don't know if you can get yourself in that mode where, again, you're you're engaged, you're fully engaged in the moment. But for me, it was all about number one, when I would when I would go uh, register for a race, there's always the race predictor. So I always did my homework on the guys that are in the top five, top six. Right. Yeah. So these are the guys I want to go beat. Yeah. Because they're they have results. Mm-hmm. They're showing up on these predictors because either they race a lot or they have results. Yeah. Either way, I'm marking them. Oh Whether yeah. Whether that was I, a good thing or not, I don't know. I, I used to do the same thing, dude.
0: I used to go on the race predictor. I'd even I'd go back and see if they'd won that race or something. Yeah. I'd go to their Strava profile, see like what kind of how were they were doing on the clients, what their power was. Right. I was like, Oh, yeah, I could be yeah. this guy. I was anal, really, like, really, like, kind of using my analytics background to like try and like gain an edge, but it, it kind of worked. Yeah. Um, I mean, you show I think up, that's what you got
1: to do. Yeah. You show up, and they're there, obviously. And, you know, if you can identify these guys. And then, so then it becomes about, okay, well, maybe it's not his day. He's got four other teammates with him, you know, and then, then it's about just like reading the race mm-hmm. and seeing you know, and I'm talking more about our criterion than anything, but seeing who has the most to lose in that race, yeah, you know? yeah. who's working for who, yeah. and really identifying that early in the race, because when it comes down to a crit, it's really about the last, you know, five to go, then yeah. two to go, right? So you have time to obviously chill. Yeah. But just relax and look at who you're racing against and notice body language and, notice who's out doing the big hero pool yeah, yeah. out front and is he on a team yeah. or is he just going to blow up and you know i don't want to be near that guy yeah. during the sprint so it was like
0: that it was like the relaxing in the race but like as well did you learn about how to like balance yourself off the bike as well not like just pushing every time and then like affording yourself the time to relax and chill and recover was that a learning experience as well yeah
1: so you know just like in the gym you know you go in you just go you know, balls to the wall, and then you've got to recover. Mm-hmm. You know, and then your body, uh, there's adaptation, and then you get stronger. And so it's it applied all of that to the bike, mm-hmm. um, and but but still not a lot of structure. I mean, you know, yeah. yeah. I just <laughs> I, I like to hammer the bike. I mean, it's just yeah, what yeah. I like to do. But um, the real breakthrough, and it was a lot to do with you and Joe Hicks. We traveled a lot together in that those first couple years. Was getting a power meter. Yeah you know anybody that's getting into racing or wanting to get into racing you have to get a power meter yeah you know, it's just that's the next leap well, that... and it was listening to those podcasts on those like six hour yeah. hours yeah so. <laughs> exactly
0: <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. Like, listening to like like nutrition science and like training
1: science podcasts and stuff well, i mean it? it's funny right we're all amateur cyclists yeah. amateur racers but we we try to act, like train our brains and yeah, eat yeah. a diet like a pro you yeah, know yeah. it's yeah. We take it pretty serious. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um,
0: so yeah, so so that year was good, but then you got, like we said, but you got some success um, this year as well. Um, how, how let's let's go over some of the races. Like, what's
1: been your highlights this year? Um, so you know, this year, well, let. So you went to Cat Four, right? Go, go yeah. back to Cat Four yeah. real quick, and it was and it came all about being, you know, wanting to get into a Cat Three. So it was about getting points. My um, first podium in a race was Rosina Ranch when I was oh, at Cat 4. Yeah, yeah.
0: I remember we went to that. Yeah. You yeah. Smoked that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I got, got a into a break. Like, yep. Yeah.
1: And uh, so that was my first podium and I had a taste of that. And it all just started clicking from there. So we did the Utah series and, you know, a lot of, lot of podiums, a lot of first places there. And um, still kind of doing the same thing, you know, uh, with my training, just knowing what I needed to do. Yeah, I think I remember
0: one of those Utah races. You were like, you broke away solo for quite a long time, maybe a good like 15 minutes. And then I think you won the sprint finish as well after, after being yeah. solo. <laughs> right. That was, the one,
1: that was the one where with you and, and Joe, and we were talking about setting you guys up for something. Um, and so I took a flyer with like, I don't know, it's like six to go or something. Yeah. And uh, Ish was actually the one that brought it back. Okay. Yeah. Ish brought it back. Yeah. And, uh, and then with two to go, I I basically tucked in, recovered, and
0: told you to come just... grab my wheel. Yeah, yeah.
1: I think that was the best. I think I came like fourth. I was super yeah. happy. You were, then... you were right <laughs> off the podium. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that yeah, I'm was. i not a <laughs> That was a lot of fun. And uh, and then that year, um, I want to say I peaked, probably um, in April. I was in uh, California, Valcea doing the Budweiser Sequoia Classic, and I was just in great shape. I felt really good, I felt strong. Mm-hmm. I was just on it, and it um, was- You had, had was some it, races under your belt now. You just knew yeah, what was going this, on. This season was going, yeah. I had points. I, was, I, I upgraded to a three. Yeah. Um, so, you know, now mm-hmm. it was uh, showtime to try to get some points as a three. And I traveled up there. It was a three, four race. Um, and I, I took like three out of five three or four out of five creams in this race. I was just on fire. Sick. I just felt strong, felt great. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, like I said earlier, just kind of reading the race, reading the guys, you know, who, who did I have to beat? I had the guy marked, but more importantly on this particular course, everybody was coming wide out of that first turn. So I really chose my line to be that inside line uh, because I knew it was going to be hard, but it was also going to be clean. Yeah. Everybody's getting pushed to the outside and there were a couple crashes during the race. So I took that inside line, and I remember looking to the right, and there was the guy that I marked. This is the guy I gotta beat. And I just started to ramp up, and at that point, I was on the ground. Uh, I didn't know, you know, obviously what happened. I got chopped from behind. These two guys got tangled up, and one guy's handlebars went into my rear wheel and injected me off the bike with 100 meters to go oh and shattered my clavicle. I'm right in front of the ambulance too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're just like, dude. I think it was, was that the one I saw the video of, I think, yeah, yeah, the video, yeah. yeah. that was cool. yeah. I was in the ER when I started getting texts saying, hey, dude, your video's up. Oh my and uh, It was actually Bahati that uh, posted it because his boy won. Uh-huh. But um, yeah, just never saw it coming. Wanted to get up and finish the race. Was that your
0: first like major? Yeah. Yeah. How, how did you do after that, That like in terms of like, did it really phase you about like, oh, I don't know if I should do this anymore? Or were you like, oh, it happens, I'm gonna get back on and do it. Yeah. And how was that first race back? Did you have any like, kind of like,
1: little nagging things in your head about it? Like... I didn't, man. I, I was so committed to, to, to racing and to cycling at this point. I thought it was just basically part of the game, right? Yeah. I mean, clavicle is a just one of the most, you know, um, I will hate to say popular, but one of the most common, I guess, yeah. injuries, right? And just powered through. I, you know, I couldn't wait to get back on the bike. Um, I was on my trainer indoors, you know, <laughs> at, at, like week two. Yeah, you know, um, I had surgery, by the way, I had surgery like the next day. Mm-hmm. And thankfully I had a teammate there at the uh, at the race, Scott Winsler. And uh, I just remember yelling to him, yelling at him from the ambulance, dude, get my preems, just get my preems, get my preems, because it was, it was a big. Uh,
0: Shout out to Scott because he was in the hospital when I crashed as well. Yeah, he, he seems to always be he that guy. To be that.
1: We actually all thought, well, dude, do we want to travel with you anymore? Yeah, for that reason. Um, but yeah, you know. It was a big, there was a lot of money in that race and, and I think that was the reason guys were doing yeah. you know, what they yeah. were doing. So anyway, you know, my first race back was uh, Mormon Lake, which, um, and kind of that whole year, you, know, you weren't racing as much with me. Mm-hmm. Um, we were doing some local stuff, but I was you know, doing a lot more crits than you were doing. Yeah. And um, I would always show up and there would be four or five Carefast guys. And it would be me against them. Yeah. Always. Yeah. And, and getting to a point, you know, back to what I was saying about reading the race. Yeah. I knew who was going to be there. Yeah, yeah. You know, and depending on who I was racing against, I could pretty much tell who was leading out, you know. And uh, of course, if it was Danny Pierce, if he showed up, there was no holding that wheel. You're yeah. just not going to hold that wheel. There was a school bus between you and him. Yeah. He, and just, any, he just uh, won a big race, right, Danny? Yeah. yeah he just yeah. won the uh, Cat 3 at um, Manhattan Beach. Yeah. Um, which is awesome. Mm -hmm. But uh, so there again, here I am my first race back and I'm in Mormon Lake and doing the cat threes and there's four or five Carefast guys, Kevin Turchin, Danny, Zach. Um, And so, you know, just start chatting them up during the race. I had no expectations in this race at all. It was my first race back. I just Mm -hmm. wanted to get back in the mix, kind of test the the nerves, you know, make sure that uh, this is what I wanted to be doing. Um, and, I uh, just started chatting up Zach more than anybody. And he said, you know, dude, give Terry a call and yeah, what are you doing? You know? <laughs> and I just, and I said, you know what, that I'm going to make that leap. Um, the larger team appealed to me. Yeah. It seemed like I was showing up to these races solo and battling guys. You know, why not try to get involved with a team that obviously like Carefast? I mean, they've got a pretty good reputation in town. Really, really even, great group of guys. You've
0: reputation like on the West Coast in general. I mean, yeah. it's really uh, inspiring to have a Vegas team that like puts cycling out there like Carefast does. You know, you guys all have the same bikes. You have like great, great kits. Like you all show up like, look, like looking like a pro team. I think it's great for Vegas to have that representation.
1: Yeah, I yeah. agree. I agree. Yeah. And that you know, all that appeal. And then once I got in. Um, even more so i mean the group of guys we couldn't be a tighter group of guys yeah and the more we ride and train together the more you know not only do we feed off each other but we know who's got what we know that in a lead out you know we can read body language that you know this you know danny's done with the lead out i know when he's you know out of his saddle and and i need to come around or whatever it is um all the little subtleties that you might not know yeah, with other people that you're racing, you get with, with your guys yeah, that sure. you train with and race with a lot. And Of course, traveling with these guys, it's always a, just a blast. All ah, right, it's awesome. Uh see so you brought some
0: Carefast bottles for us as well. I was thinking, we should, um, how many have we got here? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, I eight, like nine, 10. 10, we've got probably two people who are gonna take them here. We <laughs> should give the, give the rest away on, the, uh, on Facebook. The first, so we have one, two, three. I've got a total of fifteen. So we have, okay. So say we have ten to give away. Um, So I'll post the podcast episode on Facebook, and then people have to answer a question that you're going to give the answer to now. So. I'm going to say, what year were you doing that national championship skydiving contest we talked about? So, uh, nationals in Paris Valley was year 2000. Year 2000. So, if you want a Carefast bottle, you have to comment on the Facebook (laughs) post with the year that Tony uh, was in the skydiving national championship, which is 2000. (laughs) So, we'll do that. That'll be (laughs) fun. And then you can... uh, I'll, I'll get you in touch with Tony on how to pick up the bottles.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: absolutely. Um, awesome. Okay. So that, that's that taken care of. Okay. So back to racing though, cause I want to get into some more stuff. So, so criterion racing, um, you know, a lot of people want to get into it, especially masters as well, you know, like cycling is kind of the new golf. So like lots of like middle aged, older guys getting into it. You've had some success, other people want some success. So you've highlighted two things so far that I think are really good takeaways for people. One is like relax during the race relax Um, and the other one was be present which i think is really good um you get that a lot from like yoga meditation and things like that and you always hear like the best athletes in the world their ability to be present is a a really big factor in their success um what are some other things like you know when you're in that race like like how how do you How do you position yourself? Like, what are you thinking throughout? Are you going to think to gain a breakaway or are you, like, going into the race with just, okay, I'm going to wait till the finish? Like,
1: how how do you, like, think during the race? So, you know, now this year being on a larger team, we we go into every race, ideally with some numbers, and and we go into the race with a plan, and, you know, a lot of times the plan will be one or two guys will be on early break duty, and uh, if something gets down the road, we want to be in it. You know whether it's going to stick or not remains to be seen. Um, If it's something we don't like, then we'll bring it back, obviously. And and we want want something that's actually going to work. But if it does start to work and there is a gap, um, then we do our best to discourage that chase and and protect that that situation. Um, So that really comes down to what the race plan is. Um, You know, if it was just you know me against other guys and just kind of racing for myself, if you will, um, it came. It comes down to a point of freelance, right? Who's got the biggest team there? And again, it's just, you're constantly, from a positioning standpoint, if you've identified who has the most to lose in that race, you want to be around that wheel. And so that's kind of the wheel that you stick to, and, mm-hmm. and you kind of just blend in with their team, and you know, they hate that. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's nothing good about that. CareFast guys hated when I did that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I would be on that wheel, um, and uh, you know, permission to believe if this guy was the one that wanted to win the race, he's gonna pull me to that last corner where I needed to be in a position to battle it out.
0: So a lot of, a lot of it is like camaraderie. Like you guys have really good like sense of teamwork
1: and like how to like use that as an advantage in the race. Absolutely, absolutely. So, um, you know, we're always gonna have an ideal scenario, a, a best case scenario, a, the, the plan A if you will of who's going to get, you know, who we want to lead out. And uh, that could be a function of someone that is, is, you know, a few points away from an upgrade and we want to get them the points. It could be a function of playing on strengths. Yeah. Like, you know, at Manhattan Beach, our goal uh, in the 3-4 race with, uh, it was me, Jeff Mitchell, Sergey was there. Um, And it was all about uh, getting Jeff in a break. Yeah. And because Jeff is, just has this diesel engine that, I mean, it's, it's unbelievable, yeah, this guy. Yeah. So once you get him in the brake and you get that gap built, yeah. then it's all about discouraging the chase, right? Just working the front, chasing down, whatever. So, so, yeah, so you've got an idea of everyone's strengths and weaknesses and you like,
0: really like, utilize your strengths and weaknesses. And then I guess as well, like when you maybe go to a race and you don't have as many numbers, it's like learning to do the best with what you have kind of thing
1: yeah so funny story like uh, so LA circuit race this year uh, Mike Alec and I were kind of having a master's weekend right we're the old dudes and uh, we, so we did San Luis Ray um, on Saturday and LA circuit race was Sunday San Luis Ray you know that race yeah right? yep. Brutals five uh, five out and backs five laps of Tough that race, race. Tough race, and it was windy, Yeah, Yeah, fun yeah. race. And just like any other race, you do your homework, and we had this guy marked, I mean, he, he wins everything in, in SoCal when it comes to road racing in the 45 plus, and, uh, and sure enough, you know, he was the guy to beat. Yeah. Uh, we had a guy take off, you know, right out of the gate that stayed away solo for a win for that entire race, which was insane, I guess it was some former pro guy swiss guy or something but it came down to this race was about working trying to get mike in a position to capitalize he's a better climber than me great I learned, climber yeah I learned, <laughs> I learned to make sure that we not only kept him near the front but in contention to actually battle up that last spot. yeah and uh you know how brutal that race can be right. so Last lap, coming back to the climb, you know, I was cramping, and I I came up to Mike, and I said, dude, I I have one more, one more pull in me, and there happened to be like two guys up the road, maybe five or six seconds, and it was, we were within a mile from the the right turn to go up the climb, and I just said, take my wheel, dude, and I just went as hard as I could, and I brought him to the climb with the guy that, you know, we all marked, yeah. Uh, and it and it just became a battle up that hill and he came like he just right outside of the top yeah but that's like working with what you have right it's great it's funny
0: like um yeah is it those values like in that team dynamic how you were successful in the criterion um it's really similar to, like, me and Pablo just recently got into a program where we're going over our business values and how, how to push our business forward. And it's, like, really similar when you look at, like, how to be successful in cycling and how to be successful in business. You have, like, these parallels, right? Like, like camaraderie,
1: like, ingenuity, like, yeah. all of these things. It's, like, it's crazy how similar it is. Yeah, so the next day was LA Circuit Race. And, again, it's just Mike and I in the 45+. plus So, so, two so of you. it's just two of us. Yeah. So like, if I... Like, you're used to, like, seven, eight guys. Right. We're yeah. used to five, six, seven guys. Um, but LA Circuit Race is a big race. I mean, it's it's a big race on the calendar. So this was a field of 60-plus guys, and all the SoCal teams were represented. You had, you know, Surf City there, the Monster guys were there, G3 guys were there. Everybody was there. And <clears throat> it, had the, it was the first time that I really <clears throat> got to race the – and these guys are – I would definitely call them elite masters, uh, all of these guys. This field is, is super, super competitive and super strong, but more importantly, it's the same guys all the time. So in a SoCal race, 45 plus over there, it's always the same guys and they always race together. And you know, this was my first time kind of really mixing it up with them. So, you know, Mike and I didn't really have a plan. We just knew that we were outnumbered. So we weren't gonna be doing any hero pulls. We weren't gonna be doing any work at the mm-hmm. front. If we found ourselves there you know hold it for a second let some people come around let other people do the work there was a a really stiff headwind on the way back uh, on this particular lap so really found out quickly that you didn't even want to be top five wheels because you get thrown in that rotation and that headwind and just you burn yourself out um and so it came down to a point of just kind of sliding back into the middle of the field mm-hmm. and waiting for the last lap, waiting for the last turnaround. Mm-hmm. And LA circuit race is notorious for being um, a super long sprint. Okay. I mean, it's a very, it's a very long. Uh, it's it's probably at least what it's a, a k. It's a mile. One mile. mile from the last turn. One so mile. So it's a sprint. mile from the last turn. Wow. Um, and you know, everybody tells you when you're going in, dude. You know be patient, be patient, be patient. Yeah. So it's easy to mark guys in that race because you have lead out trains, you know? You got Surf City doing their thing, they're ramping up. You got the big orange guys who happen to be the big sponsor or uh, one of the lead sponsors of the LA Circuit race. So they had numbers in that race. But there again, I found myself in a situation where it's like, Mike's only gonna be able to do so much. And we have to be organized and together going into this last corner where I'm, I'm freelancing. Right. Um, and so we came down to that last corner and Mike was on the other side of the road. I had chosen my line. And again, I wanted to take that inside line because there were cones up near the, uh, the finish line that everybody's going to get pushed into kind of, kind of bottlenecks everybody. Mm -hmm. And although that inside line was not, there wasn't anything easy about it. There's nothing easy about a sprint, but, um, it was definitely the hardest line to take because I, there was no surfing wheels. Yeah. Everybody was flowing, right? Yeah. And their, their trains were over there. So I just freelance wheels and, you know, Bart uh, Clifford and Marvin Hall, they ramped up, man, I want to say with a, with like a thousand meters Wow. or like 500 Some meters road. rather. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean a long way yeah. out. I'm like, wow, really? <laughs> and so I just, you know, just ramped up with them and just kept my head down, and it really, that last, uh, you know, 100 meters or so was just absolutely brutal. Just digging for everything that you had, and mm-hmm. I was able to actually come around a full circle guy uh, and take third. Awesome. Yeah, so That's that was a big finish. Yeah, that yeah. was a big finish for me. It was one of my goals to, to podium. A, that was this You know, year, one two three race. Yeah. 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 Uh, masters are better, and uh, so it's so pretty really. That is that the highlight of the year yeah that was, but you yeah. know i mean we spent we spent the uh the weekend in Saint George the Tortal soul. that was a lot of fun, yeah right yeah. you know and, and that was my birthday yeah 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 that day that Saturday, I think I was what sixth in the sixth or seventh in the uh time trial, mm-hmm. and uh I had to you know I wanted to be g c in this race uh-huh. and so I had to win the crit, and we all rolled out and did the crit that that afternoon and and I won and yep. lopped me into g c three and uh-huh and uh, so, you know, from a standpoint of just battling it out, I want to, you know, Toro Sol was a lot of fun. That was a fun weekend. So, so two, two highlights there St. George and that LA
0: Circuit Race. Yeah. So what, what's your goals for next season? Because we're kind of coming to a close this this year,
1: right? Yeah. So we're a hard,
0: hard winter training plan coming up. And then what, what's kind of some of your goals for me, next season? So
1: I'm, uh, you know, I don't know, probably within 10 or so points of an upgrade. Okay. Um, we obviously want... We got a lot of guys that are on the cusp and, and, you know, a lot of guys that are actually ready to do it. So I think we're going to see a lot of upgrades to the twos. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would think CareFast next year, we're going to focus on that, that one-two field. Mike and I are obviously going to still focus a lot on uh, the 45s, one-two-threes. Yeah. I really like that field. It's, uh, you know, it's super competitive. Yeah. Those guys are really, really strong. And uh, it's just clean, just good, solid racing. You know, yeah. a lot like the one-two. The one-two, though, has... And I don't speak from experience because I've never I've never raced it. I've only watched our guys battle it. And it's just, man, I mean, I'm not looking forward to it. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not looking forward to <laughs> it. Um, but I want to be there for my team, yeah, right? Yeah, so if sure. I can upgrade, it really doesn't matter for me if I'm going to be that 45-plus guy yeah. if I upgrade or not. But, you know, it, it's a goal, obviously. It's a natural yeah. progression. And I want to be able to say, hey, you know, if nathan needs me in the twos yeah and we've got a grip of uh, two guys and i can be of any help in that first you know yeah, 45 yeah. minutes of the 90 whatever yeah you know i'm probably selling myself a little short but i would i would definitely uh want to be able to say hey i can help you same. know so that would be the the primary reason for me to upgrade uh and then it's just really to to grow and i mean i really want to Grab your coattails on the Las Vegas cycling community. I want to do more in the yeah, community. Yeah. As, you know, a member of CareFast, we want to sponsor some other, some other group rides. Yeah. Um, you guys know we do the Saturday shootout from El, you know, Las Vegas Cycle CycleReed. Yeah, we, we've got some stuff in the works. I think people will be excited yeah. Yeah, to, to do that. And yeah. that ride is intimidating to some people, so, you know, it shouldn't be. You no, know, you, really you guys should, you yeah. know, anybody that's listening to this should absolutely come out and join us. Uh, it's wor- really well organized. There's several points of uh, of competition, if you will, on that yeah. ride. And, and it's really for everybody. There's, if you're a climber, obviously we go and do the loop. Yeah if you want to see what it's all about and mixing it up in a sprint, we've got yeah. a couple of dedicated sprints. No, I
0: think, I know, I'm sure you'd welcome people to like, you know, reach out to you. and you know, Cause I think like a lot of people think maybe it's like a no drop ride. They're going to get lost, but I'm sure if they just like reached out to you or Yash or someone be like, Hey, I want to try it out. Do you mind? I don't know the route. Like, do you mind if you just Absolutely. Like,
1: 100%. show me along the route? Yeah. hundred yeah, So reach
0: out to Tony or Yash. Or, yeah. Sure.
1: Anytime. Find me on yeah. Facebook. I mean, you guys can find me on Strava. I'm, I'm probably, uh, you know, I over kudo on Strava probably, but you know my 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 mentality there is uh, if you're getting kitted up and you get on your bike, that's more than a lot of people are doing. Yeah, so for I'm sure. gonna give you a big high five and I'm yeah, gonna give you yeah. kudos. I don't care what it is, you know. No, no you're awesome dude. Like, you'd
0: be a great introduction into that for anyone who's interested in like stepping it up a little bit. Like, you know, I think we have some great intro rides. like like the lifetime ride. Like I know last of like this cycle we have one and I think the shootout is a great like transition. Like it would be a step up for someone who wants to go into racing. Who wants to like kind of get that feel they can come to the shootout and kind of like get their feet wet right yeah,
1: yeah. and you know any given saturday the shootout can be a race i yeah. mean it lives up to its oh, yeah. its name
0: i mean the best times up the loop are probably most of them are during that shootout
1: yeah right? oh there's yeah. no doubt yeah. and then and then obviously like i said you know on the way home you know down the down the descent loop we have a dedicated sprint so i mean, we. You can count on a, yeah. a CareFast train. And if you want to learn how to like ride fast in a pace
0: line, like, right. that, that's
1: the way to do that's it. That's exactly right. right. So we've got a dedicated sprint going out of uh, the exit of the loop, which you can you can bet we're going to have a CareFast train that's, that's going to be there. Yeah, yeah. We pace line out back out to 160. We've got another sprint that, that uh, kind of caps that, mm-hmm. and then we regroup. Um, Blue Diamond and then come back and we've got another yeah. another dedicated sprint heading up to the cattle car yeah, yeah. It's, it's, so it's it's, of fun. it's action it's action and it's anybody that wants a taste of of racing without you know see if they want to do that yeah it's a great ride to no do I, I agree for sure alright
0: we've got we've got a few minutes left I, we have to touch on this um you're cooking, man. Um, like the, the pictures on Instagram are ridiculous. You always text me photos of your dinner. I'm like, okay, you text me that, you didn't invite me over, what's going on? Uh, so like, um, I guess, what's like your favorite thing to do right now? I know you go through phases, you were going through like the Vietnamese like salads. Yeah. Like what are you on right now in terms of cooking and maybe, maybe give us a little recipe that's your favorite. I'm, you
1: know, I'm still like it's summer, so I'm doing really light stuff. It's really hot, a lot of grilling right now, and I'll just, I've been really gearing towards more vegetarian stuff. Already, okay. Not a lot of meat, so obviously a lot of pastas, a lot of Mm -hmm. pestos. Um, You know, my my marinara sauce is probably one I could share with you guys to really just super easy sofrito of uh, onions, garlic. Yeah, <laughs> onions, garlic, and uh, chili flakes, and uh, and then you know the biggest thing is the San Marzano tomatoes. You have to have that. You can't. I'm. do you, you get that farmers market? No, you get them. Yeah. Uh, get the whole peeled in uh, any grocery store. You know, even Trader Joe's sells them. Yeah. And then I just pulse them in my Vitamix. Okay. And that sauce is like a thirty-minute sauce. And so, so
0: the tomatoes and then garlic.
1: Garlic onion. and onions. Uh huh and, and red, uh, pepper flakes. red pepper flakes and that's it to taste and that's it salt simple. and pepper yeah simple and, and that's that's really the key with all my cooking is simple yeah right um, so that and then I'm, I'm still on the Thai right now I the like Thai, yeah, mm. I like Thai food yeah. um, and again it's kids there's a lot of cold dishes um, a lot of salads a lot of spice yeah a lot of spice what do you what, like sriracha or like a lot of uh, Thai chilies uh-huh. Um sriracha a lot of chili flakes, but mostly like Thai chilies. I'm not doing soups. You know, I'll do like a larb salad, which is a protein, typically um, ground chicken. And uh, it's pretty funny. I, you know, I try to. My whole thing with cooking, I'm not like a trained. I've never taken classes. I you just I, like it. Yeah, yeah. I just dissect yeah. a, a meal from a restaurant and say, you know, I can do this better or I can do this. And, yeah. And I yeah. go do it. So you know, obviously, you eat a lot of Thai takeout and I never really got down to how to get this taste that these guys or these restaurants get. And I went to this little Asian market and um, uh, there was a guy that ran it and he kind of gave me kind of some tips. And he's like, you know, one one of the main ingredients for Thai food is toasted brown rice powder. Ah okay, and that was like once I added that to this dish, that, to this that, was di- that was it. It just brought it ah, full circle. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. No. I like.
0: I like. I mean. Yeah. Your cooking's great, and there's like no reason to go out sometimes because you're like, oh, I could cook better at home. But when you do go out, what what would you say is a good place to that's
1: that's worth spending money on? Probably uh, Echo and Rig right now. Yeah. Like that I like place. Echo that and Rig. Is good. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I like we, that going really. Oh, and
0: um, we like uh, other mama as well. Other oh, mama for sure. That no was my next. Good. That you yeah, took yeah. the words out of my mouth.
1: <laughs> we need to go back, actually. Yeah, we should. We should. Yeah, we should go that back. That steak with the hollandaise miso. Oh my gosh, it's amazing. Oh my gosh. Okay, we've. Uh, yeah,
0: that's an hour, man. Um, wow. I think we're we done. Like, so everyone should enter that carefast competition if they want a carefast bottle. Uh, we've learned a lot about Tony's secrets to create success. You know, uh, you know. Concentration, being present, uh, relaxing during the race, adapting, and, and you know teamwork. Um, Thai food, spaghetti <laughs> sauce, uh, everything. If you if you want to, you know, you're you're very welcoming. People can just hit you up on Facebook Absolutely. if they want want to like learn, get into racing, come on the shootout, get a recipe, <laughs> whatever it might yeah. be. Hit me um, on
1: hit me on Strava, hit me on Facebook. Uh-huh. You know, like I said, we were going to try to put together some more. Um, community like outreach stuff. Yeah, like yeah. People. We want to do more with the community. We want to maybe have one of those middle rides where someone is too intimidated to come out to the shootout. Maybe like a or like a group A group B shootout yeah. thing. Exactly. kind of yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah.
0: Also yeah. Awesome. sure. Cool. All right. Well, I'll put all your contact details on the show notes. But man, one Appreciate of my good friends here, best friends here in Vegas. Thank you very much. Um, everyone, tune in next week for episode number twenty. Thanks. That guys. is crazy. Twenty. Later.